Bulimia sucks, but you don't, and here's why. The Bulimia Sucks podcast with Kate Hudson Hall will teach you how to begin breaking through the multitude of thoughts, feelings, triggers, and urges to empower yourself to change your painful behaviors completely. You will hear proven strategies and solutions to help you in your recovery, including real interviews with real people. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calm this. Check it out now on Amazon. And now... Another episode of Bulimia Sucks, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Bulimia Sucks. I'm your host, Kate Hudson-Hall, and thank you so much for listening. So this is a platform for people to share relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations based on an eating disorder. And episodes include people that are actually going through an eating disorder and their own personal struggles and their difficult steps taken on their recovery path and how, you know, how they're doing, how well they're doing. And also to people that work with people with eating disorders. Now I have been busy creating coloring books. So I have four coloring books and There is one for bulimia, one for anorexia, and one for binge eating, but also one for anxiety relief. And there's 35 plus pages, and they've got a quote on each page, which has a mandala, and then the quote, which is a positive quote to get you thinking. And then on the opposite page, there is one or two questions about that quote that you can learn about yourself with that quote and how maybe you could think about life a little differently, how you could take a step forward in your recovery somehow. So it's, it's very exciting because they, I think they are very powerful to help people because not only, you know, with the, with the quotes and the questions, but uh, take your, your mind away from listening to the negative thoughts and focusing on the coloring, you're giving, going to be giving yourself a break. It's a way to practice a form of mindfulness by solely focusing on those colors that you're coloring in. That is what has been going on. So I am very excited to welcome our guest, Christina Castanini. Now, Christina holds a PhD in counseling and psychology. And she is an eating disorders specialist and has her own practice working with children, teens and adults who have eating disorders. Christina feels she's worked with enough patients over the years to know that once they they get that information, once they gain that knowledge and awareness, things can start to change. But they need to hear it first. I love that. I think that's really insightful. So what she did was she set up a podcast and it's called Behind the Bite, where a real doctor who truly recovered from an eating disorder talks about actual struggles with food, body image and weight. So Christina's here today to share her wealth of knowledge and her own experience with her eating disorder. So, Christina, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. And I love your coloring books. That sound, they sound really great. So oh, to check those out. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. So where to begin? 
So should we maybe start with your, when you had your struggles with, with food? Sure. Um, you know, and I hate, I hate almost sharing my story because part of my podcast is breaking the myths about eating disorders. And I know one of the myths is, you know, it's, you know, teenage Caucasian females and like, uh, you know, typically are the only ones who have eating disorders, uh, you know, of a middle-class, you know, status. And um, here I am like talking about it going, okay, I was 12 years old. I'm Caucasian. I'm a female, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is when it all started. And so I don't want to perpetuate that myth. Right. Um, but that just yeah, happens yeah. to be my case. Um, so I, anyone listening, like, just because I kind of fit that mold doesn't mean that that myth perpetuates it just, anybody can have an eating disorder. It doesn't matter age, race, gender, socioeconomic status, sexual orientation. It just doesn't matter. They're non-discriminatory. But I was 12 and I guess about 11 almost. um, It really started. So um, I think that's the time I felt really out of control with so many things. Um, Puberty was happening. So my body felt really out of control. I was getting boobs and, uh, you know, my body was getting larger in areas. I wasn't used to it getting larger in and that felt really awkward to me. Yeah. And Um, it's such a, you know, it's such an uncomfortable time because you don't really understand what's going on with your body. No. Um, And I'd already had issues with my body since I was uh, born. Essentially, I was born with two birthmarks that were abnormal birthmarks. They, um, they had to be studied, I guess. So I went to a local, um, university, university of, uh, UCSF. I'm over in California. Um, and so I remember being from a very young age, just doctors in white coats, like staring at me, bright lights, cameras. So it was something I did, you know, a couple times a year just to go have people like look at my birthmarks. And um, I didn't know what was going on. All I knew was something was wrong with my body and I had to go be studied and you had to look at me and figure out what, how to fix me. And um, so I was very self-conscious and aware that my body had something wrong with it from a very young age, like I right, said. Right, yeah. Um, and I don't know, you know, I've thought back about this. I remember my mom making it the trip in to the city, we called it. it was about a 40 minute trip or so. Um, she tried to make it special. We'd go get a cookie after, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I always associated the trip with like, oh, okay, but I get my cookie after, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they were fancy yeah. cookies, right. It was a special thing. Um, so, you know, there's this like this perfect storm here. So I, the birthmark was on my shoulder. And so I was very aware of people making comments that look like a burn and people would ask me, Oh my gosh, were you in a burn? So I always covered it up and I never wore, you know, cute little tops or like every time we went to swim parties, I was so self-conscious. And here it comes to the time where like all my friends are wearing cute little tops and like tank tops. And then my aunt asked me to be in her wedding and to be a junior bridesmaid. And we have a huge Italian family. I mean, (laughs) lots and lots of people, hundreds (laughs) of people are going to be at this wedding. And she showed me the dress and it was a strapless dress. And I went, oh my gosh, oh. I'm going to be walking down the aisle with hundreds of eyeballs on me. And I'm like, I'm 11 at this time when she's telling me yeah. I was going to be 12. And I'm going, my body feels out of control. I'm wearing a strapless dress in front of hundreds of people. And 
oh my gosh, like this is, wow, <laughs> like this was a bad, bad idea. Um, so this was the start of me going, I got to do something. And so, you know, back then we didn't have the internet. All we had was magazines and TV commercials. And I remember going in the magazine and looking and seeing ads for Slim Fast. And sorry, going, seeing what? Uh, advertisements for Slim Fast, which was like a diet drink. Yeah. Um, and I remember I had ba- been babysitting in the neighborhood and I had some money from that. I ran down to the local store and I bought some Slim Fast with my own money because I didn't want to tell my parents and I hid it in my room. And that was the start of me really trying to control my weight through my food and what I was eating. Yeah. Yeah. And so you were 12 then. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. So really young. And I, I, you know, my daughter just turned 13. So now I'm looking at her going, gosh, I was so young when I started this. Like, that is so scary, right? Oh, my gosh. And I just think, gosh, you know, I hope she never, ever has to deal with anything like that, you know? So, um, you know, from that point forward, it just got worse and worse um, because what happened was people said things like, wow, you look great. <laughs> As they do. And that was like, oh, you know, initially that felt fantastic, right? Mm -hmm. And then when they didn't say anything after the initial comments, I was like, oh gosh, why are they not saying anything? Well, do I not, did I gain weight? Did I not look good? Like maybe if I lose more, they'll say something else, right? So I just got this thing in my head of like, wait, I want to feel those compliments again. I want to, I want people to say something like, what, what does it mean that they're not? And so, you know, it was just so confusing. And yeah. so I just tried so many things. It went beyond some fast. It, I, I kind of went into, I'm also, I was also an athlete that's at the time playing sports year round. And so it got really dicey with me needing to have food for energy for performance, but then I didn't want to eat because I was afraid of gaining weight. Um, and so I would try all sorts of interesting things with myself of fine, I'll eat, but then I got to get rid of it. Cause I needed to, eat. I was so hungry after a game or something. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I need to eat. And as you know, people who've had an eating disorder will probably uh, understand this. It's like for every restrictive phase, you have a, like almost a binge phase. It's like your body just needs to eat and you feel so out of control with the eating. Yes. And for me, I felt extreme guilt after that. And I said, okay, how can I eat but not have the guilt? And I decided to, try some things. So I thought, tried laxatives. I tried self-induced vomiting. I tried over-exercising. I tried fasting for a couple of days after I ate what I considered a lot. Um, it was just years of either restricting or binging and feeling guilty or binging and then, you know, purging of some sort. So I was just all over the place. So when people ask like, which eating disorder did you have? I'm like, I think I tinkered with them all, unfortunately, Mm. um, at any given point in time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always say that I had bulimia, but I also had anorexia. I was restricting. I never did. It went down over exercising, but I had, you know, I would take laxatives. There was a time when I was taking laxatives, you know, and it just, you just hop from one thing to another. And then what, so Christina, so with regards to, going through that all of those different horrific experiences 
what kind of brought you to the point where you decided that you oh you were going to maybe change some patterns in your life well there was I call this like my moment um I was living by myself at the time and I had tried <laughs> I went to a health health food store <laughs> and I bought it it was called a detox right mm. um and at that time you know during my disorder I have to say like I I I'd been in and out of treatment, but in my mind, I always told myself, I just keep failing at dieting. That's, I was in so much denial, right? Um, and so here I go get a detox telling myself, I just want to cleanse myself of toxins. No, it was really, if I'm being honest, I wanted to try to lose more weight, right? Um, and it was the first night I tried this detox. I was just drinking a bunch of like herbal stuff. I'm not even sure what was in it, to be honest with you. Um I woke up in the middle of the night, so thirsty, like the thirstiest I've ever been, but I was also clammy and nauseous. And I remember running from my bedroom to the kitchen, just needing to turn the faucet on to get water. I was just, that's all I thought about was I need water. Gosh. And I remember the microwave was next to the sink and it had a digital time on it. And it was like two or three in the morning. And the next thing I know, that's all I remember. The next thing I know, I'm on my back on the floor, facing away from the microwave. My head is pounding. I have vomit all over me. The sun is like shining on my head. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> Oh my! what is going on? And I mean, it took a while for me to like come to, cause I was, my head hurt and I was like kind of loopy. Um, but I had lost probably five or six hours. I think it was like eight or nine in the morning. Oh and gosh. I went, oh my gosh. And this was also my birthday. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> right. I'm like, Oh, happy birthday to me. Um, and I was supposed to be at work and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, Oh, I, I just had this freak out moment. Like what just happened? So I remember calling my friend and telling her what was going on. And she was such a wonderful person. She drove me to the ER and they did EKGs, you know, a head scan. They did all these things. And I don't know how, but they said, you know, you're, you're quote unquote fine to go home, you know? Um, but it scared me that really, really scared me for the first time. I really had like major, like an effect from what I had done. So that was my turning point to like, okay, I'm really going to get into treatment now. This is, this is no joke. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what did you do? What sort of treatment did you, did you look Um, at? well, I didn't know what to do, but I, found, I ended up, um, asking around and saying, where's an eating disorder, like treatment center, who, where's the special, I need a specialist, <laughs> like, yeah. I, you know, um, and that's what I had a team. I had a nutritionist, a psychiatrist and an eating disorder specialist. Um, and I think one of the most powerful parts for me of that was like actually going with my nutritionist out to places to eat and eat my fair foods with her. Um, so she could talk me through, why pizza is not scary or pasta or like all these things I hadn't yeah. allowed myself to eat for years. Um, and I'm not saying it was easy. I remember going to pizza the first time and like, it took me the longest time to walk in there. I'm like, I hadn't had pizza. And I didn't even know how long at that point. And it took like two hours to eat my first piece of pizza. Cause I was like, this is the scariest food ever. Like, but she talked me through each part and like, 
what it was and how it was useful in my body and what my body did with it. And, you know, slowly over time, I started to see food as something that fueled my body and provided me nutrition and not like something that just caused me to gain weight and I had to burn off. So my relationship, you know, changed over time. So that was very helpful. Wow. And so what do you feel was the most helpful out of all the different help that you had? You know, I'll be honest with you, opening up about it. Stop to stop keeping everything held inside. I was so secretive and I was just in my word right now, sneaky, (laughs) you know, I wasn't telling anybody what was going on. Um, but people knew, you know, I, I decline invitations to go to places or I, um, say, Oh, you know, I already ate when we got to restaurants. I hadn't, you know, like I had weird, weird behaviors and people could tell I was just weird to be around. Um, but once I opened up people like, Oh, (laughs) <laughs> that yeah. explains it, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, I tell my patients all the time and I say it on the podcast, you're only as sick as your secrets. Yeah. And through that's part of the reason I wanted to do the podcast too, is get the word out there, get the information out there. Because I, I thought back to when I was in the, the, you know, deepest, darkest place of my eating disorder. I didn't know anyone else who had one. At least no one was talking about it. And Maybe if I'd had a podcast like yours or mine or, you know, where other people were opening up and sharing about what they were doing, I would have been like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I'm not just a failed diet or maybe I do have something wrong with me. Yeah, maybe, absolutely. You know? And actually knowing that you're not alone with it. Exactly. And that, that there and is a possibility that you can actually recover from it. That's exactly it, right? Hearing other people going, wait they're as bad as me or like doing the same things with me. And now they're talking about how they have a different life and they don't do these things anymore. What that's possible. Like it didn't even cross my mind that living a different way was possible. Right. Yeah. I just thought this is it. Right. So I think that, that to me is, uh, was a big eye opener of like, I wish I would have been able to hear somebody else tell me I could get past this and have a different life. Yeah, because when I was in the depths of it, I didn't know anybody because it was such a secretive, secretive, you know, disorder anyway. But any sort of eating disorder, you know, it was never talked about because it was a very long. It was actually in the 1800s. Um, and it it was just so lonely. And, you know, with the with facebook and all the different eating disorders groups that there are out there and the podcasts and you know powerful books there's so much help out there but just to hear other people say this is what they went through and that they have been able to turn their life around and that people can do that as well mm-hmm. it's not like we have some sort of magical power it's it's taking those very small you know step by step and learning how you can begin to change. I think that's that's so true because it can feel overwhelming. Like uh, it seems like a big, massive hurdle, right? Like how on earth are you going to go from where you're at to recovered? Um, but to hear, you know, hear story after story after story of real people going, wait a minute, like they've all done it. 
I can do it too. It's not just like a celebrity or some magical person. You don't know, like if you keep hearing the stories, it can become like, you know, a reality. Yeah. And I think when I was, um, well, I still had bulimia, but it was when Princess Diana, when she spoke out about her eating disorder, mm. it's when people were like, oh my gosh, you know, ugh, we can, we can all start to talk about it. Not that mm-hmm. everybody did, especially in England, but you know, it was just such a, um, a, a prevalent moment, I think, that she actually had the courage in her situation to be able to do that. That was so powerful. Oh, sure. Anyway, so now then you um, so tell us what happened in your journey and then how I want to hear about, you know, different ideas and thoughts and patterns of how you help your clients. with eating. But so um, like fast forward a bit, um, I and like, as you mentioned, I have my doctor in psychology um, and so I ended up getting past all my schooling and dissertation and getting licensed to uh, be a psychologist. And I never wanted to treat eating disorders um, for one reason. I, I had this idea in my head that there's people say like, oh, all therapists or psychologists bring their own issues into the room with their patients and make it about them. So I said, you know what, I'm not going to touch this one issue. <laughs> I don't want anyone ever accusing me of bringing my own stuff into the room. So uh, I'm not going to do that. What ended up happening, I'm working at a hospital and um, we have to take whatever comes in the door at a hospital, right? Whoever comes in for an intake, that's it. Um, But always assess for depression. And one of the symptoms of depression is either you have increased appetite or decreased appetite. So as I was getting to that symptom with people, interesting things started to come out about their behaviors with food and eating more, eating less and how long that's been going on. And I started to get more in depth and going, Oh my gosh, they have like, I call it Ed eating disorder, Ed in their head. They're like, this is eating disorder talk. This is not people who don't have an eating disorder. Yeah. (laughs) What I was hearing was it's different. It's not the same. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, And I, I just remember connecting with them on such a level because they're like, wait, you understand this? Yeah. And, you know, and then it slowly started to suggest to people, like, have you ever thought that this was a problem? And, you know, they, I remember people saying to me, like, you know, I've been in counseling before and I've always been here for depression, but nobody's ever asked me about this is such a stressful thing. I'm so tired of this. And remember the, the very first patient that that happened with, like, she just looked at me and she just breathed. Thank God you get it. And I went, okay. Pivotal moment there. And I went, Oh, okay. But that kept happening. And then I kept thinking to myself, bulimia sucks but you don't. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calmness. Check it out now on Amazon. 